What if I told you today that if you made a commitment before we leave this service to do the very thing that we are going to talk about, that I could guarantee you that your life one year from today would be better? What if I could tell you that? How would you respond to that? That you would be more in tune with God than you ever have before. That you would have more of the answers to the questions you have about life. That you'd have more confidence in how you're approaching your life. Well, that is exactly what I'm here to offer you today. If you take the challenge and respond to what God is going to share with us in His Word, I guarantee you that your life will be better this time next year. We're learning about growing deeper and getting stronger. Anybody for that? I want to get deeper. I especially want to get stronger. And so we're learning about that together. And we saw that the Bible calls us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. God says, get your act together. Get your head on straight. Get your head in the game. Get intent. Get focused. Get serious. Show that it matters. Just as important as some of us exercise and watch our weight and, and eat right and, and take our medicine and, and jog and whatever we got to do to keep our bodies right, we discipline our lives for the purpose of health. God calls us that even more so important, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline your life so that your life will look more like God. So in the, in the, we said in the first message that we're going to be exploring some things that will help us to do that. Last time we talked about pursuing intimacy with God. I hope that you lie at stone to that. I hope that, I hope that God spoke to your heart about that because I believe that that is absolutely critical. I cannot emphasize to you enough, if you will grab hold of a desire and a hunger to be intimate with the God who created you, that is a decision that you'll never regret. It will absolutely transform your life. But this time, we're going to talk about something that is, again, absolutely critical. In fact, some would say this is the most important spiritual discipline that we could choose to take into our lives. I want to talk with you together this weekend about getting grounded in God's Word. Now, some of you kids, you say, well, Pastor Rob, you kind of scared me. The first, a couple of weeks ago, you started talking about discipline. I get a little nervous, but you explained it. Now, tonight, we're talking about getting grounded, okay? So we've gone from discipline to grounded. This is as bad as being at home, amen? Okay, kids, that's not what we're talking about. When Pastor Robbie's talking about you, you know, getting the hives, you know, you're starting to shake. When, when Pastor Robbie is talking about getting grounded, we're not talking about what you usually hear when you hear the word grounded. We're talking about getting a solid foundation for your life because you're becoming more aware of and practicing and applying God's Word more in your life. So let's think about that. And first of all, the Bible tells us that it is absolutely critical for us to know the Word of God. We need to know what God says about our lives. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24-27. through 27. Such a critical passage. This was actually the first verses that I ever shared with New Hope Community Church. Matthew 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, or who, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them or lives them out, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, 
the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Isn't that what life does? It slams against your house. And yet, it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone, though, who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, who does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain fell, the same floods came, the same winds blew and slammed against that house as well. And it fell. Great was its fall. Now I'll go ahead and read verse 28. It says, When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. For He was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. That, that was kind of quite a put down right there. He was teaching as somebody who knew what He was talking about, not like their religious leaders who didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Okay, let's do a quick summary of what Jesus is saying in these verses. He says, there's a person who hears God's Word and does what it says. That person, God regards as a wise person. He's building his life on a solid rock, on a solid foundation. And when the torrential storms of life come, and they will come, that person's life was still standing. But then there's a person who does the same thing. There's a person who hears the Word of God, but that person, the difference, does not do God's Word. This person is said to be a foolish man because he built his house. He didn't live according to God's Word. He heard it, but he didn't do it. He built his house on a weak foundation that could be compared to building your life on sand, which is not very smart. When those torrential storms of life came, his life doesn't make it. Now, obviously, the difference that we see, Jesus is a master storyteller. He's a master example giver. Obviously, very simple. simply, the, the difference is that one man did what the Word says, but the other man did not do what it says. We'll get to that more in a minute. But the man who did the Word, first of all, heard the Word. Earlier this weekend at Base Camp 2, I put a graphic up on the screen that we're going to share with you again uh, this weekend as we're studying God's Word. Did you know that we live in the least Bible-minded area of the United States? Did you know that? If you look at that graphic, it says that out of 100, on a scale of 100, out of 100 different locations that were rated, one being the highest, and by Bible-minded, what he's talking about, that survey by the Gallup poll, what he's saying is people who actually knew things from the Bible and knew them well and who actually used that to help make decisions in their lives. Okay, if you look up there, you can see that Albany, New York, the area that we live in, was ranked the second lowest in all of the United States. Now that's not a put down, or that's not a judgment on the area in which we live. That's just an, object, an objective fact. When people are asked about their Bible knowledge, or when people are asked about how much they use the Bible in daily life, our area of the country gets the lowest scores of almost anywhere else in the nation. Does that bother you? Is that a concern to you? Well, let's do a little test. Now you're starting to get worried, aren't you? Let's do a little test. Let's say we're going to do some Bible trivia tonight. Let's say we set up a, a microphone and we start asking some questions. How many of us would be nervous? 
If we were saying, okay, we're going to test your knowledge about Bible facts, I think all of us would be a little bit antsy, all right? But it's even more important than that. It's not Bible trivia. God doesn't want us to learn Bible trivia, Bible facts, just for the purpose of learning Bible facts. Let's talk about biblical principles. Because at the end of the day, that's what's important. It's not so critical to God that you know who Melchizedek was. By the way, that's a guy in the Bible, okay? It's not so critical that you know who Melchizedek was or, or where his name is found in the Bible as much as it's important to God that you know what the Bible says about living your life. And so, yeah, there's a guy called Melchizedek in the Bible. What would be most important to God is not that you knew necessarily about that name, but that you, as you study the story of Melchizedek, you found out what he had to say about how God would want to work in your life. So the question is, do you know what the Bible says about money? Do you know what the Bible says about marriage? Do you know what the Bible says about your thought life? About your attitude? Do you know what the Bible teaches about how you're to work when you go to your job this week? If I wanted to know those things, if I came up to you in the foyer after the service and I said, hey, I'm kind of struggling at work. I'm looking for some Bible verses. Could you give me some encouragement? Can you show me where to go in God's Word that I would learn some things about how to approach my job in a way that would be pleasing to God? According to that survey, according to that poll, many people in our area would not have any idea or not much idea about where to give you direction. It's very possible that many of us here who are together Worshiping God would not be able to do that. But you know what? It's not just us. It's all over our country. Those same surveys have shown that only 15% of Americans read their Bible every day. And actually, 50% of Americans will tell you that they never read their Bible. 50% of Americans, at the most, read their Bible once or twice a year. Now let's go to Matthew 7 again. Matthew 7 verses 24 through 27. We said there's two people in that passage, right? Jesus gives us two examples. He says, okay, there's a guy who hears the word, does it. That's a wise man. He's going to stand. There's a guy who hears the word and doesn't do it. That's a foolish guy. His life's not going to make it. Let's imagine a third category. If there's a guy who hears it and doesn't do it, and that hurts his life dramatically, imagine if there's a guy who never heard it. You follow me? If there's a guy who never heard it, he doesn't have a chance. His life would be in danger from the get-go. So that's why the Bible over and over again challenges us that it is critical, friends, it is critical for us to hear from God regularly. To be exposed to the Bible and to know what God's Word says about our lives. Listen to these verses. Matthew 4, verse 4. Incredible verses. Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now man does live on bread. After the service, I'm going to have some bread. I'm going to have some food because Robbie kind of needs some. Amen? Okay, so man does live on bread, but the Bible says... 
We might think to ourselves, I need bread, and possibly sometimes I might might need to hear from God, okay? That's kind of the way we'd probably approach it. I mean, it's not a live or die kind of thing. Bread, I, I have to have. But we don't necessarily think of hearing from God as that desperate. But the Bible, Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you remember Kaylee's song last week? We are restless. I love that song because it described my life. I get jittery. How about you? If I have not been hearing from God regularly, I get kind of nervous. I get on edge because I'm not good at making things up. Amen? I've lived plenty of life with Robbie's thought process, with, with my thoughts of how, about how things would go, or should go. And so when I start living in that again, I'm not clear that I've been hearing from God. I get kind of nervous. The Bible says that is exactly the case. We are desperate to hear from God, that we get restless unless we're hearing from God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired. It literally has been breathed by God. Isn't that a powerful picture? All Scripture has been spoken and breathed into existence for us to have by God. And it's good for some things. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Write this down in your notes. The Bible helps us, God tells us in His Word some things, so that we can know what's right, so that we can know what's wrong, so that we can stay right, and so that we can get right. That's what it says in those verses. He says, for teaching, for what's right, for reproof, for, for what's wrong, for correction, for getting right, for training in righteousness, for staying right. The Bible gives us everything that we need to live our lives. Acts chapter 7, verse 11, there's a group of people that they challenge us to have their kind of mindset. It says, now the, the Bereans were noble-minded. They were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, For they received the word, the word of God, with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Bible describes a group of people that were desperate for God. They loved the word of God so much that they studied it carefully to make sure that they were understanding what God wanted them to do with their lives. Let me ask you a few questions to consider. Is the extent of your Bible exposure just what you get when you come here to church? Did you hear that? Is coming to church the extent of your Bible exposure? Okay, I'm not asking you that to guilt you or to shame you or to condemn you. Thank God you're at church, amen? Thank God you've taken that step. But just because I've taken one step doesn't mean I don't need to take some more, amen? Okay, so, so the gentle challenge from God's Word is, are you getting enough? Are you just getting it when you come to church? If you are just getting it when you come to church, let me ask you this question. Is that enough? Is that enough for your life? Just what we dig into and share here together as we gather around God's Word one time a week, is that enough for your life? I think we approach our Bible intake a lot more like putting gas in the car. 
Okay, we put a gas in the car. We fill her up. I was going to say once a week, but I mean, it's more like every two or three days. Amen. I just don't have the stomach to fill her up. <laughs> but, but we put gas in the tank and we at least expect to go three or four days, right? Hopefully we can get a week on that. But really the way God conveys it in His Word is we should approach it less like filling up with gas and we should approach it more like eating meals. Okay, because I can go three or four days, I think, right? Can't you go about three or four? How many days can you go before you die? I don't want to try it without eating. Okay, I think it's several days, all right? I think water, you know, is, is, is more critical. Maybe you can go without whatever. But, 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 but you can go several days without food, but you're not very healthy. You're not going to be in a very, a very good condition. So the question is, do I have a hunger for God's Word? Do I, do I long to know what God says? Am I giving the Lord plenty of opportunity to input? That's a great question. Are you giving God plenty of opportunity to input in your life? Are you coming to church regularly? Are you involved in a small group of people studying God's Word? Are you listening to Christian radio? I can just tell you this. The two, I believe, single biggest impacts on my life, I believe, are two things. Number one, God bless them and God bless you, people who've prayed for me. That's, that's number one. That's the biggest impact on my life, I believe. But the second biggest impact on my life is from the time that I was a little boy, I have had an insatiable hunger to hear from God. As a little boy, I remember my aunt gave me this little brown Bible, this little King James Bible, and I used to read that Bible just like every day, every night, and mark that Bible up. And I've just had a hunger to hear from God. And people ask me, say, Robbie, how do you know so much about the Bible? Number one, i got a lot to learn. But if I know anything about the Bible, you want to tell you the secret that I have? Honestly, and I'm not meaning this to be smart. Read it. Honestly, read it. It's not seminary. It's not listening to other people. It's not the best thing to learn God's Word is read it. Read it. Read it. Intake of God's Word is one of the best decisions that you could ever make for your life. Maybe some of us, to come from a different angle, have been exposed to God's Word. Maybe in the past and throughout your life you've been exposed. But listen to me, friend, if that's you. If you've had the privilege of being exposed to God's Word heavily, I want to ask you some very important questions. Are you depending too much on what you learned in the past? In fact, I want you to ask yourself this. As you make decisions in your life, as you're walking through your life, as you're remembering, oh, this is what God says and this is what choice I should make. How much of that is stuff that you learned years ago? And how much of it is stuff that you are learning today that God is teaching you right now? Does old food taste very good? The Bible seems to indicate that. God said the manna would go bad, right? You'd have to trust Him again for the next day. To feed you again the next day. And I believe the same thing is true for God's Word. We cannot live off of yesterday and last year's Word. 
So if you have been exposed to God's Word throughout your life, have you gotten away from that hunger for God's Word? Have you put too much into your past knowledge and have not been seeking Him fully right now? Friends, this is a step that many of us need to take. We need to grow in our understanding, in our experience of intaking God's Word. We need to become a people of the Word, a people committed to knowing what God says, to hear from the Lord, to be exposed to His Word, to know what He says about our lives. But even as important as that is, there is a concern that's given in these verses. In fact, it's given over and over again in in, in God's Word because it's something that I've seen all over the country in churches all over the United States. And Jesus talks about it here. Matthew 7, going back to verses 24 through 27. Jesus warns us that we need to know His Word. But that's not enough, is it? It's not enough just to know the Word of God. We need to live out the Word of God in our lives. I want to expose something here that is a trap of the enemy that you might not expect. But many Christians have gotten the idea that I just need to study the Bible. I just need to know what the Bible says. And they almost approach it like they're in college. That God's given us an assignment. He's given us a book to study. And okay, I'm going to do it. But friends, that is never what God intended for His book to be about. That is never how God intended for us to take the Bible. And listen, the enemy loves for us to take that approach. The enemy is just fine with you reading the Bible and doing nothing with it. The reason we want to know the Word of God is because we want to know the God who wrote it. Amen? That's why I want to know the Word of God. Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Listen, these are these precious words in the book of Hosea. It says, so let us know. Let us press on to not love that language. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. As we grow in our understanding of Him and in that relationship with Him, that will change your life. So watch this. To be grounded in the Word of God does not mean that you're an expert in what the Bible says. Many Christians, many churches claim we're grounded in the Word, and they're mad about it. They always seem mad about it, don't they? We're grounded in the Word of God. You know, they're they're just like grimacing, and their their face is getting it, and their hands are getting tied. Why are they always so mad about it? We're grounded in the Word. Okay, what most of the time that means in a church is we know it. We know a lot about the Bible. We study the Bible a lot. We talk a lot about the Bible. But that's not God's idea of being grounded in the Word. Being grounded in the Word of God means I I know it, I understand it, I'm seeking to understand what it says, and that I'm living it out, that I'm putting it into practice in my life. It kills me to see so many Bible-believing Christians who are lazy or worse, jerks. They sit around having Bible studies just talking. And God forbid that we be like that. I pray that we're not just a bunch of talkers. Amen? I pray that in your growth group that it drives you nuts if all you're doing is talking about it. I'm going to do something. Amen? I want to talk to somebody. I want to help somebody. 
I want to see a life change. I want my life to change. I want to take this home. It's not enough just to sit here for an hour and talk and pray, and then that was nice. That's not what God ever intended for us. If we're Bible-believing Christians, listen, I love it. Many churches will say, we're a Bible-believing church. And I'll say, well, then why don't you read all that the Bible says? Okay? Because the Bible says that just knowing it is not enough. That Bible that we're grounded upon supposedly says that you should be living it. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. What a great example. <clears throat> we talked about this weekend in base camp. We talked about a life verse for your life. This might be a life verse for somebody. It says, for Ezra had set his heart. Such beautiful language when you read the Bible, isn't it? Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. This nugget from this man named Ezra. For Ezra had set his heart. He never knew you were going to read this. He just loved God. He set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. He made a decision. I want to know the Word. I want to know what God says. Not sitting around a Bible study, oh, that was amusing, that was nice, that, that was informative. No, Ezra's like, I want to know what it says because I want to live it, and he took it a step further. Not just he was going to live it out in his life, he was going to use it in somebody else's life. That's it, Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus talked about this. This is an incredible verse. Okay, I'm going to read it first, and I'm going to back up. It says, Jesus said to them, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Now, that's just straight up what we're talking about, right? Blessed are the ones who hear God's word and actually live it out. But actually, this verse is more revealing than that. If you back up to verse 27, it says, While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. She said, Blessed is the mother that brought you into this world. Okay, and we do consider Mary to be blessed of God to have had that privilege of being the mother in a human from a human perspective, to being the mother of Jesus while he was here on this earth, right? But listen to this. That person said, blessed is Mary for the privilege of being able to be your mom. But Jesus said to her, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. What a privilege this lady had to be able to give birth to the Messiah. And Jesus said, no, what a privilege you have to hear the Word of God and to be able to live it. Does that knock you over? Is there anybody in this room who ever wished I lived when Jesus lived? Whoever wished I could have been one of His disciples? Whoever wished I could have been His mother? Whoever wished I could have been His dad? I could have been in His household? I could have been one of His brothers? Jesus said, No. That's not the blessing. The blessing is hearing from God and living out His purpose in your life. Many Christians have medicated ourselves with a Christianity that just keeps on reading, but never doing. We made that up. God didn't say that. God never said, read it, read it, read it. We made that up. We made a convenient idol. 
And so what we can do, and, I, and I'm saying this in love, but, but with all my heart, because I believe God wants to change the church. Amen? God wants to show us what is real and what is right. Somewhere along the way, we've made up a Jesus that's coming. It makes us feel good because we've kind of come out of the world and we've got identified with His body, but we've, we've, we've made up a version that helps us not take it too far because that's kind of uncomfortable for us. But God says we're missing a blessing. It's not about discomfort. It's about you're missing a blessing. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Boy, these are some great verses. Just straight up, Jesus tells us in His Word. God says, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks... Oh, actually, i go back to verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers only who delude or deceive themselves. The Bible says, there it is, that the enemy would love for us to come to church and go to Bible studies and just get lots of input, but not do a thing with it. Because we are deceiving ourselves. That is not what God intended for us to do. Then he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom that sets you free. John chapter 8, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If that person looks intently at the perfect law and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man, this is the one who will be blessed in what he does. So let me ask you a question. How often, if you're honest, do you come to church and listen to the message and leave? Honestly, if you're just being honest, and you know what? Again, maybe, tonight, maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't even realize it. Amen? Thank God we come to church so God exposes them. I didn't even realize I was doing that. But how many of us go and, and before we even get in the parking lot, if somebody asks you what was the message about? Um, uh, well, well, we had communion. <laughs> it was about the Bible. That was it. That's a pretty sad. Amen? Certainly a few days from now. Not really quite sure, Tuesday or Wednesday, what it was. Okay, and again, it's not the knowledge, but that knowledge, you know, if I don't have the knowledge, I can't do what? Use it. Okay, so if I've forgotten as soon as the double doors open, then I'm certainly not going to use it, right? If by Tuesday or Wednesday, I, I'm sorry, Pastor, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I don't have a clue what you were talking about. Last Saturday or Sunday, how can I possibly put that into practice in my life? Many of us take notes. But we, honestly, if you, if you ask yourself, the question, when do I ever pick those back up? So are we just taking notes? Are we just in class? Are we just Bible students? Or are we people of the Word that want to live this out? How often do you ask yourself when you're facing a decision? What principle in God's Word gives me direction on how I should handle this? Do you ask yourself that? We've got a decision to make. What do I know about God's Word that will help me to decide this? 
Or maybe this, what has God been saying to me as I've been going to church, as I've been involved in a group, as I've been spending time with Him on my own, as I've been listening to His Word, as I've been hearing His voice, what has God been saying? Because listen, you need to realize, the Bible, the Word of God, is not just some good books that you, some good book that you hope that by coincidence you run into some things that might help you. There is a living God, and His Word says, Hebrews chapter 4 says, it is the living Word, and God meets you there. And God, has anybody ever found that to be true? God will give you something that you read this morning that you can use this afternoon. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. Amen? How often do you expect God to use what you read this morning, what you heard in God's Word together this weekend with us? In your life next week. And you know what? We run into things where we don't have a clue where there's a Bible verse about it. But when you run into that, how often do you ask yourself, Okay, I'm going to dig in a little deeper. I'm going to search for an answer. I'm going to seek hard after God. I want to know what God says about this. And so I'm going to go back to the back of my Bible, and there's some, there's some topics back there. and There's a thing called a concordance where you can look up some things. There's some topical things you can find online. Or I'm going to ask a friend because I need to know what God says about this. As your pastor, I'm trying to help us. If we want to go deeper and get stronger... We've got to take it further. We must discipline ourselves for the purpose of becoming more like God. Again, let's don't treat the Bible as an irrelevant college textbook on a subject that we had to take. Amen? Treat it like an owner's manual that you have to consult in order for things to work right. Some of you are aware that we recently got rid of our long-time affectionately known van as Big Red. In fact, some of, you are, some of you are so saddened by the potential loss of Big Red that I think there was even an attempt to maybe raise some money to buy him from me. Because that, that, that van is part of this church's history. That van moved here with us from North Carolina, has been here all 15 years, has seen a lot of things. Let's have a moment of silence for Big Red. <laughs> Okay, anyway, right? All right? So the reason we sold Big Red is because a family member made another vehicle available to us at a very good price. So when we were purchasing that van from this other family member, they kind of walking us through, and nice van, and all these different things. I just wanted you to be aware. And so Shannon's uncle, he told me, he said, hey, there's an extra key here that I have. It's called a valet key. Okay, he says, I've never really used it, but it comes with a van, it's a valet key. So basically, it, it works just like the other keys, but if you were parking your car, you know, at a nice restaurant, you give this to the valet, he said, it just doesn't open the glove box, or, the, you know, the, the glove compartment, or whatever you want to call it, okay? So he says, you know, it, it'll run fine, but, but it won't open that. I said, okay, fine, you know, we got a valet key, we don't need one, but we got one. So the other day, we're a two-car family with about three to almost four people that need a car at any given moment. You feeling my pain? Anybody know? So, man, you know, my kids don't need cars. I need a car, amen? Because <laughs> they got mine. But anyway, I'm just kidding. 
So one day, Hannah had to leave. She, had, she took my truck. She accidentally got my keys, and so I don't have my keys, and so I'm driving the van, and i got to use the valet key. And so here I am. I pull up at this busy parking lot. I mean, there's like two big businesses. There's cars all over the place. I'm getting out. I'm focused. I'm running some errands. i got to get into the office. And so I get out, and all of a sudden, this is what happens. was going off. I'm rolling the window down. I'm opening the door. I'm turning the car on. I'm turning the heat on. I'm washing the windshield. I'm telling you, I just about, I honestly, Pastor Robbie, I was frantic. I was like, I'm not kidding. There, were, there was me people in that parking lot. I was in this room. And I'm sitting there looking like I'm stealing. So that's enough, please, all right? <laughs> Jeff just wanted me to see to make that face that I was making in the van. I could not get that noise off. And actually, there was this red light on the dash. It was just like, you know, in my face. You're stealing it. You're stealing it. You're stealing it. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Be quiet. Okay, so all I can think of is get out of here. Because these people, I mean, there's people taking my license number, I'm sure. So I just cranked it up. Man, man, going down the road. Man, man, going down the road. I'm like, I'm just trying to take it out in the woods and blow it up or whatever I need to do. Finally, I don't know why, I stopped, I pulled over, finally, I turned it off, finally it went off. I said, okay. So I called Shannon, I said, okay, get the key out, about to pull in the driveway, get it out to me quick, because I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. The red light's still going. I thought, well, the red light's just, just in a caution mode or whatever, so I don't know if I did, I don't know why I opened the door. Open the door, meh, 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 all the way back home, Okay. Shannon runs, Drew runs out of the house with the key, hands me out, turn it out, get the owner's manual. I'm looking in there, I'm just like, how do you get this thing off? How do I get it out of I stole it mode when it's my van? <laughs> Finally, got the right key, not the valet key. If you have one of those, please never use that, all right? <laughs> Put the right key in, looked at the owner's manual, did whatever I need to do. Finally, I'm good. Now, I didn't pull that owner's manual out because I was looking for some light reading. I didn't pull that owner's manual out because I'd like to become an expert in owner's manuals. The only, I didn't even know where the owner's manual was. I had to dig for it in the van to find it because I needed it in order to get my life right again. Amen? Do you people realize the torture I go through just to get some illustrations to share God's Word for you? <laughs> Do you realize what kind of life I live for you? I'm getting hot up here, all right? <laughs> God never intended for us to live our lives on our own. He gave us a book. He gave us an owner's manual. And even more precious than that, it's an owner's manual written more like a love letter. So I want to ask you, are you growing in your understanding of how God has revealed Himself to us in His Word? That's, just, that's a very simple question. But just be honest with the Lord and with yourself. 
if you are growing in your understanding of God's Word, like many Christians are, and like I believe many of us are, you're growing in your ability to apply it to your life. Are you letting God, as He speaks to you, use it to make a difference? I'm going to ask you to bow with me. As we spend a few moments before the Lord... Let's get real and let's get practical. Just what step do you need to take in your life to become more grounded in God's Word? The honest reality for some of us is, honestly, Pastor Robin, and God's spoken to me about this this week. There's been lots of times where I was looking at Facebook. God just spoke to me and said, Don't check that text. Don't look at Facebook. Don't write that email. Don't pick up that notification on your phone. Don't do that Google search for something you don't even care about anyway. How much time, Robbie, are you wasting? Fruitless pursuits throughout the day. could be spending time in my word seeking me are you hungry for me are you as hungry for me as you are to find out how many points LeBron scored last night are you as hungry for me as you are to find out what direction the wind's blowing today and how cold it's going to be so God's been speaking to me about my intake Maybe you're here and God's speaking to you about becoming more consistent in church. Because you're going to get that intake by coming and getting involved. Maybe God's speaking to you about taking that next step and personally spending time with God every day. See, my problem is I want to spend a lot of time with God every day so I spend no time with God any day. Amen? So don't start with two hours before breakfast like Martin Luther studying the Bible backwards and forward before you even brush your teeth, okay? That ain't going to work. How about God? Let's start with five minutes. Tonight, right after the service. How about God on the way to work? I want to, instead of listening to the, the hits station, I think I'm going to listen to Christian radio tomorrow. Get a good sermon in on the way to Albany. Maybe even more important, if you have that intake, how regularly are you letting it work out in your life? Are you using it? Maybe you need an accountability partner. Maybe you need to call somebody tonight after the service and say, will you ask me next week, will you call me spontaneously, ask me if I'm reading my Bible and if I'm thinking about it throughout the day? Guarantee you that'll help you. Get real with it, amen? I wonder if you're here tonight and you don't even have that relationship with the Lord. But God has spoken to you powerfully. As we've studied His Word, as we've celebrated communion, you saw, visualized symbolically that Jesus Christ gave His life for you. 
that God wants to come into your life. He wants to forgive you. Would you ask him to do that? Would you say, Jesus, I gladly receive this offer that you're giving to me. Please come into my life. I hear your word and I receive it. God, I want to spend the rest of my life following you. Help me to be a disciple of Jesus. Father, just blow across this place. Just blow across us, Lord. Whatever you're wanting to do, may our hearts be open and receptive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.